You're listening to sermons from La Cunada Congregational Church and Pastor Kyle Sears. Join us in person every Sunday at 10 a.m. in La Cunada for worship. You can find more information about our church online at lacanadachurch.org. There's this term in the special effects industry called kit bashing, where if you're making a model of, let's say, a Death Star or an Imperial Destroyer or something, you get the rough shape of it, and then you get all these little pieces of junk that come with like plastic model building kits, and and by gluing them on in interesting ways, you actually add embellished details. Um, I I know last year, y'all remember when I made my weird helmet from Ghostbusters, and it was basically a colander with a bunch of spare wires and nuts and bolts and stuff sticking out of it. It, It's that kind of thing where you, you put together something that looks future out of basically garbage. And, and in the special effects industry, that's how you get budgets made to you know, make it look like there's an Imperial Star Destroyer flying through space. Um, Adam Savage of the Mythbusters, who worked on some of the Star, uh, Star Wars movies, said that over time you develop an eye for seeing the potential in pieces that otherwise would just go into the trash and that you save and cultivate these things as you're building this model. Uh, you get a little bit of that kind of concept at the end of James, as we see how James is looking out over this church and seeing that while many people people would want to look at the individual makeup of them and say, you know what, there's not anything special here. James finds that when put together, there is something beautiful in this community. And so I want to read James chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Are any of you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up, and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being like us, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. And then he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth yielded its harvest. My brothers and sisters, if any among us wanders from the truth and is brought back by another, you should know that whoever brings back a sinner from wandering will save the sinner's soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. And so as we come to the end of this letter, what we find is that James is imagining this reassembling of a community, a putting back together in the name of salvation and of life, the promise of what a church can be. And I think it can be hard for us to imagine church this way, as a force of good. A a lot of us maybe don't really experience church that way. Uh, Church is an event on Sunday morning that we come to, to sing, to find encouragement, maybe to feel connected with God and, and some sense of satisfaction in that connection. But oftentimes, Where we come for friendships, we settle for friendliness. We're satisfied if our interactions are pleasant and brief. Head nods, handshakes, and hymns mostly sung in tune, and that's good enough. But James has something entirely different to offer in his imagination of what church can be. And it comes from the same people that just a few chapters earlier he was describing as using broken speech to break other people, of hurting people within their own community. What he's saying is that prayer and song and blessing of salvation and renewal and healing are possible through broken people, 
through ordinary humans. That the same people who use words to tear one another apart have the capacity also to form words that extend salvation and healing and encouragement to people who are on the brink not only of death from sickness but of soul death from dislocation. That the suffering and the sick and even those celebrating all that life has offered can receive life from the community. Because what we find is that community fosters human flourishing. That we can't find that sort of flourishing alone. And yet so often we order our lives as if it's a solo venture. Or at least we measure maybe the success of our life as if it's a solo venture. Or, or maybe not just solo, but maybe just our families. Where we find our lives measured and standardized by my happiness or my career or the way my kids perform in school or at the concert or on the field. And James is suggesting that the true sense of life is found in sharing it with one another. That it is impossible to engage in the fullness that, that God has promised us if we are all on our own. I mean, think about it. Is there anything more intimate than praying aloud with someone else? Especially if you're not good at praying. Or singing aloud with them, especially if you're not good at singing. That sometimes we can hear our voice resonate with those near us and they match our joy or our pain. And there's power in that. James knows that that connection that we find with one another in worship and in prayer and in life beyond these four walls connects us to the divine. He says that it is the Lord who saves and forgives and raises the sick and hurting through these tangible expressions of worship and faith and community that the church is meant to be known for. But how is that possible? How is it that I can connect to God when I connect with Christian community? That's an impulse I think that, that's been formed in creation itself, that, that God builds the earth and all of the cosmos as a temple with the land as its foundation and the heaven as the frescoes above and the image placed within that temple on the final day, the last act that God does in creating this, this recognition that all belongs to God is placing us as that image. A sign of creation that everything was ordered to worship God. What's meant to represent God's faithful presence in this world is us. That our highest calling is to present God to the world as we love one another, as we live within community with one another. Jesus says that the world will know that we are followers when we love one another. Now if you back up just a little bit to the beginning of chapter five, you kind of sense where James is coming from when he writes these words, because at the beginning of chapter five, it reads a little rough. James has a harsh warning for those who would use their wealth to bring suffering instead of salvation. He says that so many of the rich and wealthy hoard their wealth while the workers who deserve to be paid are not getting paid. And that eventually that, that system of living is going to devour the entire community. It's this idea that, that the younger generations have kind of adopted this mantra of eat the rich, 
Have you all heard this? Um, it, it goes back to the French Revolution, but, but I think James would be like, yeah, yeah, that's what's gonna happen, is the rich are gonna get gobbled up because of their selfishness as they seek to devour others. It's gonna ruin everything around us. And I think the reason James would say that and then pair it with this idea of community is because the thing that separates us, the walls that help us to believe that we are able to flourish alone is often wealth and money. That when we are well-to-do, I don't need your help. Maybe to be nice, you know, so I can have more free time to play with my toys and stuff. But I don't really need you because I can take care of myself. In fact, the ability to take care of myself is the American dream, is the promise that we try to send our kids to. But what James is gonna say is often that simply builds a wall against being with others. That we can deny the presence of God found among us when I've got all I need stashed away in the bank. But if we have the real presence of God's people that shares life together, the idols that falsely represent God's promises are insufficient. Wealth and power and fame and security are cheap imitations to what God gives us in one another. And that we actually find more happiness, more sense of security, more wealth when we love one another. We experience life in a way that could not be contained within ourselves or within our family. And we experience a life that can't wait until Sunday. Have you ever had good news to share, but no one to share it with? Now it just eats you up inside, you know? So you gotta put it out on Facebook and hope people read between the lines or something? Or, or maybe even worse, have you received a setback and no one to tell, no one to lean on? And you've gotta journey through that by yourself? James envisions a community that is formed in a way where the overflows of joy and the burdens of life are shared and shared freely. We find most of our connections coming online in social media and cell phones, but in the early church, they just had food all the time together. They ate meals together all the time. In fact, the name church, uh, ecclesia, means gathering. It's just putting people in a room and probably food while they're at it. So many times we're too often to share a meal as a family, much less with others beyond our family. But our well-being depends on it. Our very souls are at stake if we disconnect from this holy calling to be with one another. In fact, the Surgeon General recently came out with a report saying that there is a public health crisis of loneliness in America today. And the seeds of that were planted long before the pandemic, but the pandemic just hastened its arrival to where actually middle-aged men have the most serious health outcomes in regards to this. It's not only mental health outcomes that certainly exist, but actually physical health outcomes. That the loneliness that we find in our society today is akin to smoking and its danger. And one of, the rep one of the recommendations that the Surgeon General has made is that communities need to establish infrastructures of social connection. That we need to start putting people back in rooms together to just hang out. That's one of the things we're trying to do as a congregation for not just us, but for our community to recognize 
That sometimes just unlocking the doors and putting out a spread, churches have learned long ago that potlucks are like the way to be, you know? (laughs) At least the way I grew up. (laughs) Any excuse to put food out, right? And so we, we are well practiced in this way of establishing community. And I think it's important that we would do that in order to meet the needs of a world that is desperately seeking connection that longs to practice this holy calling of hanging out. And we can be a people who embody that. So James says a lot in this letter as we read through all of it that really comes across as harsh. There's a lot that we have to get right and a lot that we get wrong. But I'm convinced that throughout this letter, what we see as the heartbeat behind what he is writing is this call that we would love one another that we would define the church as a community that loves more than anything else that it does. Imagine if churches in town were known more for who they loved and how they loved than the walls that they put up. What James says is that we're not always gonna be great at this, but we can learn. That Jesus has embodied a way for us to live that we can follow. He says, Elijah, yeah, that Elijah, you know, the one that I can say Elijah and you know exactly who I'm talking about, at least to those who were hanging out in the church a lot. He was just some dude. A normal human being is maybe how the Greek puts it, but he was just some guy. And yet his prayers were able to stop the rain and then call it when it was needed. With the idea that you're just some guy too. You're just some girl too. You don't need any special calling from God to be able to engage in life-giving work because that is simply what we as humans are made for. The calling of the church is to become a community that redeems even the most broken within us. And when it fits together, every part finding its place within the whole The writer of Ephesians says that we will now grow into maturity of faith within this family of God, that this is a promise given to us by God, that when we love one another, it saves us, and that once we find that kind of salvation, it becomes so easy to share that with others, of the life found around a common table, a common pew, a common song, a common prayer, and how each one of us are called to this holy task to extend the love that we've found to others who need it. And so my hope is that that would be true for us, that we would come to know God's love so deeply that we can't help but share it with others. Amen.